Okay, so this workshop is called the Islamic Antichrist. And what I'm going to do here in this time, and we'll have hopefully some time for questions before we're done, uh, we're going to lay out an alternate interpretation of the identity of the Antichrist and his empire. So if you're familiar with eschatology, the primary interpretation of where the Antichrist will come from what his kingdom will be is a revived Roman Empire. This has been just about the universal explanation throughout church history. And I'm going to explain why we, we believe that, uh, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. And so that's, that's the traditional way of thinking about it, uh, that it's going to be Rome that revives and comes back in some form or other. And the one who leads that will be someone we call the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. He's got several different titles in the Bible. But there has recently, at least to me, arisen an interesting alternate theory that posits an Islamic Antichrist and a revived Ottoman Empire rather than a Roman Antichrist and a revived Roman Empire. So here's what I want to say before we get into this. Number one, there is room, I believe, within the prophecies of Scripture for this idea to be true not definitive. When we get to the end, I'm going to lay it out for you just without spending a whole lot of time defending it. I'm just going to lay it out. We're going to get to the end. I'm going to give one or two that I think are the problems with it. They give you some time to think it through. So that's the first thing that this is not something that can just be written off. Uh, this is something that needs to be uh, carefully engaged with. Whether or not you're persuaded is really uh, is immaterial in the end, but it is very interesting. The second thing though that makes this so interesting, besides it being biblically possible, is when you start to compare the parallels between Islamic eschatology and the book of Revelation, it, it's alarming to say the least. And that's what I'm going to lay out for you is uh, the basic blocks of what we believe about the Antichrist, how this could be interpreted from an Islamic perspective, and then what the Quran and the Hadith and the other writings say about this time period and how that would relate to, uh, to the end of the world. So, I'm going to go pretty fast through this, and we'll hopefully have time for questions at the end. So the first thing that we're going to read, this is from Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. This is the picture of the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. Now, white horse, don't get tripped up by that. This is not a picture of Jesus. John sees this vision at the beginning of the tribulation. And this is identified as the Antichrist, as the man that Daniel foresaw, as the prince who was to come. Uh, so this man on the white horse, that's how the church has understood this for a very long time. That One of the first things that's going to happen at the end is the Antichrist will arise. That he will come with a white horse, he'll come with a bow, conquering and to conquer, that he'll bring in a false peace, and then he will break that peace. That's what we believe about the Antichrist. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Islam regards the Bible, Old and New Testament, as scripture. They do not regard it as inerrant or as equal to the Quran or the Hadith or some of the other things. So they believe that any place the Bible disagrees with the Quran, for example, the Bible would be wrong. There's all kinds of other things. They believe that the scripture has been corrupted, but they still say this is scripture. So they study this too. When Muslims study Revelation 6 verse 2, they identify Revelation 6 verse 2, the white man on the white horse with a bow and a crown, that this is their Mahdi. 
which is their, the Islamic version of a Messiah. Mahdi means promised one. They read Revelation. They see the passage that the church has consistently talked about as this is the Antichrist. They say, that's our Mahdi. That's who we're looking for. We're looking for a conqueror. We're looking for somebody that is going to come and establish a worldwide kingdom. They believe he will come and bring about a worldwide Islamic revolution and that everybody will either bow down to the Mahdi, worship Allah and eventually him, or face the sword. They also believe, and this is in the Quran, I don't have the Quran references, but you can look them up. They say the Mahdi will make a seven-year treaty with the Jews and will break it after three years. Which is exactly what Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 and other places say that the Antichrist will do when he comes. So the question becomes, is this Mahdi that they're looking for Satan's way of preparing the way for his Antichrist? And could it be that these similarities, they're looking for somebody who will come make an alliance with Israel, break it and create a worldwide kingdom as he conquers the world. That's one of the first figures the Bible shows us as the Antichrist. So like I said, very interesting. Let's move on to the second thing here. Revelation 17 verses 9 through 11. This calls for a mind with wisdom. So he sees the vision of the seven-headed dragon, okay? And this is when he gives the explanation of what the seven-headed dragon is. He says, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings. So the seven heads that Satan has in the Bible are representative of seven kingdoms. Five have fallen... One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast, which in the book of Revelation, beast equals Antichrist. That's a symbol we use. That was and is not, he is an eighth, but belongs to the seven and goes to destruction. So John sees a vision that throughout history, there have been five kingdoms that were, one that is at the time of his writing, and one that has not yet come. And the Antichrist, who is kind of an eighth kingdom of his own, he belongs with number seven. All right. These kingdoms are understood. The first six are not disputed. Kingdom number one is Egypt. Number two is Assyria. Number three is Babylon. Number four is Persia. Number five is Greece. Those are the five that were, the five kingdoms that oppressed Israel. Number six is, in the book of Revelation, that's Rome. The seventh has not yet come. And the eighth belongs to the seven. That's Antichrist. So how this has traditionally been understood is that the seventh kingdom is that revived Roman Empire and the Antichrist will be part of that. And there's a reason we believe that it's revived Roman and I'll get to that at the end. But there was another empire that ravaged Israel after Rome came. And that was the Ottoman Empire. This was the Muslim caliphate that Muhammad began, fought against the Turks or uh, the Franks during the Crusades, went up into Spain, that's where the Moors came from, and ended up having their capital in Constantinople or Istanbul. The uh, ISIS, for example, was fighting to reestablish what they call the caliphate, which was that ancient grand empire that they had. So... That would make number seven the caliphate. And if he belongs to number seven, then the Antichrist would be a renewed caliph or Mahdi, you know, Antichrist would be our use. And Muslims believe that the Mahdi, when he comes, will lead a worldwide jihad. You know that word, it means holy war. That will conquer the whole world and bring it all under the rule of Islam. They are expecting that our kingdom, which was broken, will be revived and it will be led by the Mahdi. So if you've ever seen ISIS or ISIL or whoever waving those black flags that have the white letters on it, 
That is prophesied in the Quran. I believe it's the Quran uh, that there will be an army that marches over the world with black flags with the confession written on it. You know, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. So when ISIS or Al-Qaeda or whoever rides into battle with that flag, they are actively trying to bring about the revival of the Ottoman Caliphate. And they're looking for their, their Mahdi to come. So this is, again, an interesting parallel. The Bible says in the end, there will be a revival of the last empire and he'll, it'll be led by this Antichrist. The Muslims say that is actually what we're looking for, is a revival of our empire led by a charismatic strong leader called the Mahdi. This is interesting because the new empire in the Bible is symbolically, it seems, referred to as Babylon, right? You know, the city Babylon has fallen, has fallen. And so that's largely looked to as symbolic because Babylon represents, uh, you know, all the world religions, all the falsehood. But if this is an Islamic empire, then Babylon could just quite simply be Babylon because it's the same people group. It's the same ethnicity. Saddam Hussein very famously was trying to rebuild Babylon so that the Mahdi could do his deal. So again, just another very interesting parallel there that doesn't, it's, it's, it's within the pale of what Revelation teaches that Satan is trying to plant something in the heart of the people he's going to use. Okay, the next one, Revelation 13, 4. The people of the earth worshipped the dragon, symbolic of Satan, right? He was the snake in the garden. Now he's like the ultimate snake in the book of Revelation. He's the dragon. They worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, the Antichrist, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? The Bible teaches us, and I'm using representative verses. There are more. This is just a short study. The Antichrist, the Bible says, will put an end to all forms of worship, and it will eventually consolidate on himself. So all other religions will be put down, and eventually it will be, you have to worship me and worship my golden image. We've used this phrase a lot, the abomination of desolation, or the abomination that makes desolate, is when the Antichrist will stand in the Jewish temple and declare himself to be God. And they're going to worship the Antichrist in the temple. So what has usually been posited is that there will be some kind of ecumenical world religion that brings all of them together under one heading and eventually leads to the, uh, the Antichrist himself. The alternate view of that is that that world religion is Islam. That that is what the Muslims have been actively trying to do since the beginning with Muhammad conquering Mecca and Medina and everything else. To bring all of the world under Islam. They were marching, I believe it was in London a few years ago, and they were carrying banners that said, Islam is our religion today and your religion tomorrow. Mm. You know, they, that is, you know, without looking at the text of scripture, that is actively what Islam tries to do. And that is what they believe that the Mahdi will do, is that he will execute Christians, execute Jews, any other polytheist, and they will all be brought to worship Allah, which they say is the same God, but does that sound like the same God to you and me? No, I don't think so. It's a voracious religion. And Islam is certainly what you might call an anti-Christ religion. At the very least, Islam does not believe that Jesus died on the cross, doesn't believe he rose from the dead. It doesn't believe that he was God's Messiah come to pay for sins. They don't believe he was the son of God. So you've seen the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, the, uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque that is on top of the Temple Mount. Inside, on the dome, written in Arabic, is, is the sentence, I believe it's in the Quran, or it was just a saying of Muhammad. They use both pretty much interchangeably. But it says, Far be it from Allah that he should have a son. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Standing on the Temple Mount, 
that they've, you know, it's a false religion, first of all, but their calling card as a religion is God never had a son. He never died on the cross and he didn't rise again. So it is that kind of religion that, at least, you know, we, we say it, there could be something that will bring everything under its banner. That's absolutely possible. But it's also those that, that are in favor of this view say, why do we need to invent a possibility when we've got something right in front of us that is already trying to make headway around the world? The next one, Revelation 13, verses 13 and 14, talks about a second beast that rises up out of the earth. So the Antichrist is the beast that comes out of the sea. There's another beast that comes out of the earth that has horns like a ram, and it's symbolic, obviously. And it says, it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. This is what we call in eschatology terms, the false prophet. That the Antichrist is the beast from the sea, Satan is the dragon, and the false prophet is this beast out of the earth. That there will be a figure, a herald of the Antichrist, that will go around the world. It actually says in Revelation 13, he is the one that will set up the Antichrist's image, and he is the one that will order the mark of the beast. He's the one that's going to say you must have your, your head and your hands marked. He is the one that will put an end to all other kinds of, of religion and worship. And he, it says in that passage, will kill many. He will lead the persecution of the church and, of course, of the Jews as well. That's the false prophet. We believe that he will come. He will be there performing signs, doing miracles, calling fire down from heaven to deceive the world. God will permit that to happen. Because remember, the book of Revelation, the tribulation, is God removing his hand of restraint. He's not going to forbid Satan to do false signs anymore. And he said, no, I'm going I'm to turn it loose. Muslims believe that before the Mahdi's first great battle, when he's gathered all of the Islamic army together, before they begin their conquest, Jesus will descend from heaven, announce to the world, to this army, I never died on the cross. I never rose again. You must follow the Mahdi and worship Allah, for he is the true man of God, not me. Not, not some other guy. Actual Jesus that you and I believe in. That's what they think will happen. They say in their text that this Jesus, they use the term Isa al-Masih, which is Jesus the Messiah. Isa, like Jesus, you can kind of hear it. They believe that Isa will perform signs and wonders, including calling down fire from heaven. He will remove something that is called jizya. Maybe you've heard of this. Jizya is if you are not going to submit to Islam, but you are either a Christian or a Jew, under Sharia law, you can pay an extra tax to live under Islamic rule. They believe that when Isa, when Jesus comes back, he will support the Mahdi and remove Jizya, which means he will be the one to say, no more tolerance. You either worship the Mahdi or you die. Christians and Jews, no more Islamic tolerance as, as little as it may be. And he will spearhead the persecution of the world. And they say that when he returns, most of the Christians left in the world will go after him. And that could be what the Bible talks about, the great apostasy that happens in the end. And they specifically say that Isa, Jesus, when he comes, will behead anybody that does not follow him and follow Allah and follow the Mahdi, which that is exactly what the book of Revelation says will happen, the persecution. So again, we're looking for a false prophet that is nonspecific and not designated. That He's going to perform false signs and lead everybody to follow the Antichrist. Muslims are looking for exactly that, and they say it's Jesus that will come. So it kind of makes you go, 
what what kind of person could lead the whole world to abandon their faith and their culture and go after this guy? What if what if a guy that everybody believed was Jesus came? Like not like they uh, I don't know, I don't think he really is, but they actually believed it was Jesus Christ. And he goes around with a mission telling everybody I never died on the cross or rose from the dead. So the last one, what do they believe about actual Jesus then? Ah, this is interesting. We know Revelation 19.11, at the end of the tribulation, John says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Can you see the difference between the two already? After the, the false Christ on the white horse comes death and famine and plague and judgment. When he comes, he judges in righteousness, faithfulness, and truth. We believe that Jesus will return, Paul said, to slay the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth, to deliver Jerusalem from the armies of the Antichrist. It is in Muslim eschatology that a deceiver will come in the last days, named the Dajjal. And he will come and make war against the Mahdi. And that when the Mahdi's armies finally defeat this Dajjal, then the Antichrist kingdom, or as they would say, the Mahdi's kingdom will come to be. They believe that the final battle will come with their, their false prophet, you might say, Dajjal. That says someone's going to come and he's going to, it says his army will be made mostly of Christians and Jews. How about that? So again, we're, we're looking for Jesus Christ to return. They're saying, look out, this guy's going to come and he's going to try to make war against the Mahdi and a lot of Christians and Jews are going to follow after him. So all of this is very suggestive, is what I'm trying to point out. We have these things that the book of Revelation and Daniel and everywhere else teaches us. And we, we believe it because it's in the scriptures. Then we see that there's this other world religion that has a lot of the same things prophesied, but inverted. That we're looking for somebody that's going to do all the things the Antichrist will do. We're looking for a prophet, as we would call the false prophet. And it's going to lead to the death of millions of Jews and Christians, which is what we want. We're waiting for that. We're looking for a worldwide conquest of the whole world. So, I said, very suggestive. But if that was all we had, then that wouldn't be enough. But I will say this is not a throwaway idea. When you start to get into the text of Scripture and break things down, it's like this is... This is not maybe as slam dunk on revived Rome, for example, as we maybe thought it was. Consider, for example, that when it says, Pastor Troy read about the Gog and Magog invasion in Ezekiel. There's difference of opinion of that. That seems to be the battle of, of Armageddon, the final battle against Israel. All the nations that are listed in that list of nations that come are Islamic nations today. Egypt, Libya, Sudan, Turkey. Uh, Turkmenistan, I believe is another one, Iran, Lebanon. And it's like that, I could see those nations invading Israel now, <laughs> you know? And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that just makes you sit up and pay attention. So we're coming to the end. Here's the biggest difficulty that I have with this. This is where we get the best indication we have of the identity of the Antichrist. And this is the biggest problem that this view has, in my opinion. Daniel 9.26 says, The people of the prince who is to come, so that's the Antichrist, his people, so whatever nation he belongs to, shall destroy the city of Jerusalem. That's, that's in the middle of weeks 69 and 70 that we just talked about. That when Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, Daniel 9.26 says, The people that will do it, that's the nation where the Antichrist is going to come from. Now, of course, it was emperor, well, later, he was a general at the time, but later emperor Titus of Rome that destroyed Jerusalem, which is why we believe, okay, so this is going to be Rome come back again. 
That, that's what's going to happen. However, this is very interesting. The, those that hold to the Islamic view, they'll point you to the, the writings of Josephus. You know who Josephus was. He wrote shortly after Jesus uh, died, and he actually mentions Jesus and the Christians several times, and it's, it's great historical support for the things that we claim. Uh, he, writing to a Roman audience, makes it very clear. He says, Rome did not destroy Jerusalem. What he says is this. He says that when, this, was, this part's undisputed, that when Rome went around the world, they would conscript soldiers. So there weren't enough, obviously, soldiers in Italy to conquer the whole world. So they would conscript people from the local areas, train them as Roman soldiers, and then use them in their legions. What Josephus says, and this is not Bible, but it's history, he says, Titus ordered them to leave the temple, to leave some of the architectural sites, the holy places, intact. But he said it was the Syrian conscripts, we know that they were using Syrian conscripts, who hated Jerusalem, hated the Jews, had hated them for centuries, that when they were given the chance to attack Jerusalem, they did not spare anything, not even the temple. So there is a historical account from around that time that says it wasn't Rome that did this. It was all of these today Islamic nations that took advantage of their opportunity to defeat Jerusalem. Is that slam dunk for sure? No. I think that's probably the biggest difficulty with all this. But I can say at the very least, what this tells me is that Satan has gone ahead and has planted seeds in the heart of the Islamic religion to prepare not for Jesus, but for the Antichrist. Whether or not he will be a Muslim from one of these areas is remains to be seen. It's certainly possible. It's also possible, I mean, we've seen how uh, there are many Muslim refugees and immigrants have moved into Europe, and Europe in a few generations may not be quite as white and Christian as it used to be. So it could be a blending of the two things. It does tell me that we are not entirely certain how all of these things are going to play out. We certainly don't want to do like newspaper exegesis and be like, well, Muslims are in the news, so it must be them, right? And we don't want to do that. Right. That's why I'm trying to say this is a possibility. That's why we're doing it in a workshop and not in a main session, right? Uh, but I would also say that there have been several points in history where you look at it and you go, man, that could be it. That could have been it. For example, Nazi Germany. You know, Hitler was not the Antichrist. We know that now. But let's think about this. Rome, when Rome fell, Charlemagne in the Middle Ages created what he called the Holy Roman Empire. He was trying to restore the glory of Rome to Europe, and he started it in Germany. So when Hitler brought about that Third Reich, that renewed empire of Germany, you could say, is that kind of like a revived Roman Empire? You watch as they marched, the Nazis, watch the old videos, they had those Roman heralds and the Roman signs, and it's you kind of go, man, they sure hated Jews, and they really wanted to conquer the world. So it's like, was this the kind of thing that we should be looking for? There are some that believe he's the, it's the European Union. And the European Union has not helped their own cause. They have a statue outside the Brussels uh, European Union headquarters, a statue of a woman riding a beast. And they have designed their building to look like the Tower of Babel on purpose. Because they, we're bringing together what legend, legend says was all broken apart. So it's hard to ignore things like that. The whole point for us to, to know here is that, that God knows. Number one, we believe we're going to be raptured by this time anyway. And number two, the signs that have been given are enough for us to know when the time comes. It'll be very clear on that day. But it is, it's, it is interesting to take the time and look through this. This isn't the kind of thing you'd want to fight about. It's just like, wow, this is, it's very interesting. It's very suggestive to think about.